following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. All right, he is risen. Today is the day that we celebrate the glorious work that God accomplished in an empty tomb and a risen Savior. Hallelujah which means praise the Lord. So, uh, so grateful for today. And, uh, th- you know, this video reminds me that there, there's so many things in life that we celebrate. I mean, a touchdown, a home run, you know, like our team's winning, whatever the case may be, you know, our child's accomplishments. But man, there is no greater news than Jesus Christ is no longer dead. He's alive. He is risen. And because he lives, we live too. That's the truth. That is truth. He is risen. He's risen indeed. And so I, I wrote this to share with you. The author of life defeated death that we might live. Like this is the good news of Easter. Um, I want to read this text for you from Luke chapter 24. And, uh, and this is the account from the, from the gospel writer Luke. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while, he was, uh, while you were still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, uh, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women uh, with them that told, him these th- told these things to the apostles. But their words seemed like an idle tale and they did not believe in them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you that uh, the tomb is empty, but our hearts are full. And uh, this is a work that you have done in our lives, Father, that this is not something that is emotional. It's not temporary. We're not simply Easter people on one Sunday a year, but that's we're resurrected people every day because the hope, the reality of the resurrection has completely transformed the way that we live. We don't have to live for today. We can defer uh, our hope for tomorrow and live for your glory and for the benefit of others. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the hope of the resurrection, the reality that now that life has come to breathe life into us, we can live. We can live for, for another's glory and for a day that is, that is to come that will, uh, that will make all the living and all the, the suffering trials and adversity uh, worthwhile. So for you to say, for the joy set before him, you endured the cross, scorning its shame. Lord, we're so grateful that you died in our place so that we might live. Thank you, Father, for your love and grace. And for this day, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So Trevor asked, how has Christ 
resurrection changed my life. Um, there's so many facets to a testimony or his God's story in our life or our story with God. Um, <clears throat> I think with this particular question, um, when I, I and I just celebrated being a Christian for 15 years. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I know. When I was 23, I got saved. Um, I had grown up in the church all my life, and I heard about God, but it never was personal. Um, I had a good introduction to who God was, Jesus, and all of that, and I was a good girl, but it wasn't until late in my 20s when I had, or my early 20s, when I had to go out and kind of adventure out and, and figure it all out. So once I got saved... Um, then you, like, the rubber meets the road. That's where it gets hard because you've got this old way of living and this new way of living, and it just kind of battles each other. And one of my biggest struggles that I've dealt with all of my life, even after I got saved, it would be so awesome if it just disappeared, but it doesn't, is fear and worry and doubt. I've always been a half-empty kind of girl. I know you probably wouldn't. Think of it, I try to pretend I'm chipper all the time, but I always kind of wait for the floor to drop out um, on anything. And so when I first got saved, um, I always had this fear because it was just so, the transformation was just so like, whoa, but I didn't have a lot of knowledge. I mean, I knew who God was, but I didn't really have a lot of oomph to my story or to what I believed or knew about God and so I was so fearful that somebody could persuade my thinking or another thing that I feared was as I read the Bible and, I, and as I was reading there were things in there that really I didn't like it made me angry um, and it really bothered me and I remember my sister telling me just keep reading and in time the Holy Spirit will show you why why it is the way that it is just keep reading and so I did and and you know through the years um, I was single for a lot of that time. For about 10 years, I was single, so I didn't have distractions of dating or, you know, anything. I just, it was kind of me and God for a while. And my fears and my worries and my doubts slowly started to dissipate, and which was awesome. But then God brought in this wonderful man into my world, and kids shortly thereafter, and a teenager shortly thereafter, and the fears have just kind of blossomed, very ugly. <laughs> and so, like, the fears are all there, and now I, my fears are for my children, and for, you know, like, when Irma came, God really showed me, Ashley, look how little your faith is in this, and because it just, it no longer was about my life now, now it's about my kid's life, and that was very hard, or, you know, in the circumstances with our niece going, Lord, I want to control it, and I want to figure it all out, and God's like, no, she's mine, let me take it. And those things are very hard for me. And, and I realize no matter how long I'm walking with the Lord on this earth, fear, worry, doubt, it still, still grips me. And I have memorized countless verses to combat the enemy when he hits me with them. But it's still there, it lingers. And I can focus on something and the verse for a while, but then it's there. And one of the things that I find, I guess, in this whole story of um, what is what I'm looking for or what what blesses me in the resurrection um, what brings me a joy is that I have hope I have hope that when I am with my Lord face to face there is no more of this and when we see him face to face there is no more fear and one of my favorite verses that I love 
um, that brings me comfort is from Revelations. It's talking about the new heaven and the new earth when all of this passes away. Um, and it says, and I heard, it's in twenty um, chapter 21. It starts in verse 3. It said, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And I want to add my own, no doubt, no worry, no fear. <laughs> For the former things have passed away. And what an awesome hopeful future is that I can't fathom a place as our world gets so crazy as we're seeing the darkness in this world and we're to be the light to this darkness how refreshing that there is no more of that when we are with our Lord oh my goodness I'm so hopeful for that I'm so hopeful to not have to fight doubting I'm so hopeful to not have to worry anymore that I can just be at peace with my Lord, my Creator, my Father, my God. What a blessing. So that is in this day, in this time in my life, because I think our stories constantly change. As God has brought a new season of children into my world and the fears have just come in with it, um, that is what I'm kind of clinging to in this season, that it's not going to be like this forever. Just hold on tight. And like my sister said, just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Um, I have one more verse that I want to read for you. And uh, I just want to thank you guys for letting me be real and vulnerable in front of you. Not like I'm never not, but <laughs> but thank you. This is from 1 John 3, 2 and 3. It says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Princess. Uh, for anyone here that doesn't know me, my name is Morgan. Um, I go here with my very sweet wife, Melissa. Um, and it's a real privilege for me to have the opportunity to share my testimony uh, Easter Sunday. It's a real privilege. So thank you, guys. Um, part of why this is a, a very special day for me is I was baptized on the Pentecost. And, of course, the Pentecost is 40 days after Easter. And it's kind of like the seeds that were sown on Easter as Christ was risen. He said, you know, I will send the Holy Spirit down and he will be upon you. And 40 days later at Pentecost, the disciples were so infused with the Holy Spirit that they just knew. And they knew things that they couldn't have known otherwise. And all of a sudden they were speaking tongues and um, they brought thousands to Christ. And... I was baptized on Pentecost, and, and it was kind of a, a Holy Spirit kind of a church. And so this is a special day for me because I think about Easter, and Easter being the day when they were sowing those seeds. And I'm thinking, man, maybe today as I get to share my story, maybe for someone here that this will be a sowing of seeds. And I hope and I pray, Lord, please um, let this seed to fall on good soil. Let you know, whatever my story might have to offer, I, I hope and I pray that, that this is um, encouraging for you guys. Um, yeah, basically, my story starts uh, starts off pretty normal. I, I was a normal kid. I guess I still am kind of a normal kid. I, tr I try. <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, I, unlike Ashley, I wasn't raised in the church. I was actually kind of atheist slash agnostic kid. Um, very cerebral, very scientific. I was going to be an engineer, just like my dad. And, uh, you know, I was a good student. Went to, like, the IB program, which, you know, if you guys don't know, it's, like, one of the hardest high school pro- I mean, you, you literally leave high school as a sophomore in college. It's, it's like, brutal. And uh, on the other side of college, you know, I, I graduated college with honors. I went to grad school. And uh, the Lord made one way for me. Literally, he got me into one grad school, and it was in upstate New York. And in upstate New York, I found myself away, just completely cut off from family, from friends, from everything I'd known. Um, I remember kind of like at a low point, you know, I was actually, I got sick. You know, it was, it was frigid up there. The, the heat wasn't working in my apartment. Um, I didn't have furniture yet, and I'm literally just, like, curled up on the cold floor, just like, I have no one to call. And, like, it, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a humbling experience. But in hindsight, the Lord had to humble me, right? I mean, oftentimes, that's our wake-up call. It's the Lord is putting you in a place where you're saying, I don't got this. You know, like, Lord, can you please help me? And, um... Yeah, grad school, I found myself in that situation. It was kind of this, it was a dichotomy of, on the one hand, I've finally graduated college. You know, I, I could have just about any, you know, opportunity I want. I could go on and, and get a PhD. I was already in the program. And on the other hand, I felt like my life had no purpose. I felt like, what is this all really for? I felt like the things that I'd worked for up until this moment just weren't going to pay off because no matter how good this job was, no matter how good this opportunity was, I was entirely certain it was not going to be worth the effort I'd put in. And I found myself questioning, what, what is this all for? Like, why am I here? It was in that questioning... Um, my mind went to my grandparents, and I paused because they recently passed, and, and they were a huge impact on my life. And I don't know that they know it, but um, I love them so dearly. But my mind went to my grandparents because I was thinking, who do I know that has lived a life that if I lived that life, I would have no regrets? And literally, there were only like one or two people I could think of at the moment, okay? My, my uh, circle of believers was very small. Um, and I said to myself, well, what about them is so, like, desirable? I, and I, I tried to put my finger on it, and I finally said, well, I know they go to church. I'll give that a shot. <laughs> and so I, I literally just went on Google, churches near me, and uh, found myself at a church. It was, uh, as I said, uh, kind of a non-denominational, maybe Pentecostal kind of leaning church. Um, it was over the course of several months that this pastor kind of met with me, and he said, you know, Morgan, uh, he said, the Lord has brought you here for a reason, and the Lord wants you to question in this time. He hasn't just brought you here by happenstance, but there's a purpose in this. You're up, out, away from your home, away from your family. I think the Lord has a purpose in this, and let's find out what it is. And so over time, he just said, Morgan, would you read the Bible a little bit? Morgan, would you... You know, and he never said, Morgan, just believe this, or, or Morgan, just trust. You know, he, 
he knew where I was at. He took the time to know who I was, and he said, Morgan, please just approach this with an open mind and open heart and say, you know, if it's true, great. If not, you know, whatever. And so I was like, okay, you know, I'll read. And so I actually picked up two books. I didn't, you know, because I, I wanted to give this thing a fair shake. And, and so I said, you know, I'll read the Bible and I'll read The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins, uh, most renowned atheist out there. Yeah. Not a great read. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Bible, Charles, D- yeah, I don't know. Richard Dawkins. Uh, it was funny because I actually found the counterpoints in the atheist book to be stronger than the points he was trying to make. And suddenly I found myself saying, you know what, like, why am, I, why am I tearing myself into these two different directions? I've figured out what this truth is, and I want to pursue this thing. And I wasn't all in yet, but I was finding my way. And as I found my way, the Lord did something much more profound, which was he opened my heart. That during this time, the Lord brought to bear what real truth was. And as I read the Bible, real truth was not what I'd been living, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was living a shameful life, and it's probably a pretty typical life, but, you know, the things I did in college, uh, once I was confronted with truth, they were appalling. And the people I'd hurt, and the, the things I'd done, I thought back on these things, and I just couldn't believe it. And I found myself just many nights, just on my face, on the floor, just saying, Lord, would you please forgive me, for I am a sinner, and I don't even know how to get myself out of this thing. I do what I don't love, and, and uh, I don't know what to do. And so fortunately, my pastor kept kind of encouraging me. Pastor Dave, um, he kept saying, you know, Morgan, you know, Christ didn't die for nothing. You know, Christ died because you're seeing that there's this gap here between what you do and what you should do and what you've done and what you can make amends for, and that gap is... That's why Christ had to come into this world, is because we'll never be good enough. We'll never see God face to face on our own strength. He said that that is the pinnacle of accepting the sacrifice of Christ. And suddenly, I would come to church on Sunday and I would take the sacrament, and it brought me to tears because I knew, you know, Christ did have to die, that, that this wasn't. You know, uh, yeah, I did all this stuff in college, and it's all good, you know, it's, it's fine. I knew that it wasn't all good. I knew that, that Christ was on the cross for my sins as much as for anyone's sins, as much as, you know, just as the people who, you know, brutally tortured him before he put him on the cross. I was just as responsible because I probably would have done the same thing. Coming out of that season, uh, I was kind of like Ashley said, you know, uh, uh, on fire, but without a lot of foundation. And uh, there were certain truths that I still hadn't grasped. And, you know, one of these truths was, you know, that you shall have no other gods before me. That's a tough one, isn't it? So I still had these idols. I still had these desires of, you know, man, someday I want to get married, you know, and and, you know, I don't want to get divorced, you know, because I've seen what that can do, and, and it creates a lot of pain. And so, uh, you know, I kind of 
fell into this codependent relationship, you know, shortly thereafter. And in that time, I found myself really drifting from God and really finding my identity and my, my worth in this relationship. Needless to say, it didn't last. So, uh, you know, a couple years later, uh, the relationship fell apart. It was the hardest time in my life, and I literally felt like I couldn't breathe. Like, this was this, this uh, biggest idol in my life, and suddenly it had been torn out of my heart, and I didn't know what to do. And I found out that this is how the Lord sanctifies us a lot of the times, is through difficulty and trials and tribulations. And I found myself saying, you know, Lord, what, what do I do from here, Lord? I, I don't have any hope left because I feel like I've just, you know, totally, you know, messed it up. Fortunately, the Lord showed me that there's such a purpose in our pain and our struggles and our trials that he's perfecting for us our faith. That I'm actually going to go with a metaphor Trevor's going to like here. It's kind of like if you're diving, right? And you could spend however much time down there, and you just love to look at what's beneath you, and, and you're just having a grand old time, and you don't, don't stop once to look up, do you? You're like, ah, whatever, you know. But the minute you run out of air, what happens? <laughs> you long for what's up there. There's nothing sweeter than that surface at that moment. You're like, I, I want to be up there. And I feel like at that moment, that was, that was what I was going through, is I had not enough hope to really get myself through this, but I could see that the Lord is still good. And I knew that, that the faith that he was perfecting in that process was going to be unshakable. That suddenly now this sanctifying work was doing a far greater thing than I could have ever endeavored for myself. And I find myself thanking the Lord for that trial. And on the tail end of that, I found myself just with a newfound maturity. I no longer was afraid of things that I'd been afraid of before. And I found myself just willing to say, you know what, Lord, it's yours. I found myself actually accepting that Christ is my husband. Okay, I, I struggled with this theology early on, and I said, you know, I don't understand, you know, this whole thing. Like, Christ wants to come and marry me. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, it's a little weird. <laughs> Finally, on the tail end of this experience, I found myself saying, you know what? I get it now. I get it. That, that this idea of marriage, this idea of being together, becoming one, is so much more profound than, than what is on the surface, than the fleshly things that we look for often in relationships. But this is a thing of the spirit, of the heart, that when the Lord comes together with us, he's forming a bond that will never be broken that this bond gives us life, that this is such a good thing, and that it's, it's life-bringing. That it's not about the Lord wants to come and marry me because he wants something from me, but it's that the Lord wants to come and marry me because he wants to give me so much. And when I was finally able to accept that, it was such a freeing time. And as the Lord would, would have it, you know, he always works in, in mysterious ways, and... and um, you know, about a year later, it was weird. The Lord started kind of putting on my heart, like, you know, you've healed from this. It's, it's, it's time to move on. And uh, the Lord actually started giving me dreams about this 
a really sweet missionary. And um, yeah, she, I'll say, <laughs> you guys might know her. Um, <laughs> it was it was it was wild. I mean, people thought I was crazy, but I said, you know, I, I feel like this is from the Lord, and I feel like. I'm just going to see what happens. And, you know, I I met this girl one time, and people thought I was nuts. And the Lord had a purpose in it. You know, about a year later, um, we ended up kind of talking long distance. And and there's way more to this story than I'm going to give it justice, because that's like a whole nother 20-minute spiel. Uh, But needless to say, the Lord was putting it on her heart as well, that when she came home, maybe there's going to be someone who's, going to give you a little attention. And so it was a very sweet story, and a year and a half, two years later, we got married. She said, wrap it up. (laughs) Um, Anyways, the cool thing was that on the other side of this, where where I'm at now is I have the privilege to, to do it right. And I just want to say what a joy it is and what a blessing to see that being a good husband is way different from being a taker. That being someone who's looking to give rather than to receive, that's where the true joy is. And that's been so profound because I see that when Jesus wants to marry me, wants to marry us as his church, his bride, that that's how Christ approaches us. He's saying, I want to give of myself. I love you so much, and I care about you, and I am a good husband. And you will not, you will not regret this, basically. And um, I see that being a good husband means sacrificing yourself. And it really makes me appreciate what Jesus did on the cross. He sacrificed himself because he cared about us, because he wanted to make us right with the Father. I just want to sum, like summarize and kind of finish with um, that I've learned that the, that the Lord's love is so relentless that it couldn't be held in the grave. That his pursuit of my life over the course of the years, so it's going on, going on about 10 years now, um, kind of mm. knowing Christ, his pursuit of me over these 10 years has been absolutely relentless. And I know that me as a person, I'm... I'm faulty, I'm frail, my, I, don't, I don't steward my faith as well as I should, and if it was up to me, I would fail. But how do I still have faith and hope that the Lord will always provide, that I will see him on the other side of this life? I'm confident because of Christ's love and because of God's perseverance. I know he will never give up on me. And that's just such a sweet thing for me. Trevor gave me one final note that leads into the next portion. Romans 6.5 For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. All right, so whenever Marty asked us to, uh, to play something for y'all, um, I sat here and tried to think, oh, you know, I mean... Really, if we think about it, as exciting as Christmas is for kids, like this day should be way more exciting to us because honestly, there is nothing more amazing than the fact that Christ died for our sins and that he's risen. And so I wanted to choose something that was like crazy celebratory. And um, if you know us, usually we play something a little bit more classical. So we're going to kind of uh, do our 
version of the uh, of the old bluegrass um, gospel songs, I'll Fly Away and I Saw the Light. So if y'all know it, um, I mean, the words the words are awesome. And I'm not going to try to sing it for you. You guys would all leave. So just if you know the words, think about them in your mind or even sing along. Just joking. All right. So, um, so uh, whenever Trevor approached me, he asked me to talk to y'all about um, basically what does the re- what does the resurrection mean to me? How has it impacted my life? And that's an interesting that's an interesting question. And I really spent a lot of time thinking about it because. <clears throat> I was saved when I was six years old. So pretty early on, I don't have a whole lot of memories of extremely lost me, although I guarantee my parents have plenty of memories of that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, so for me, just sitting there and thinking about all of this, basically four main things kind of struck me. And the first is the relationship or the presence. And what I mean by that, well, let me go ahead and read to you here in Romans 8.15. For we have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, or Daddy, Father. So I was thinking about this. I mean, God truly is my good father. And, you know, while I don't necessarily remember you know, lost me all that much. Um, 
the one thing I know is that all along, as I've struggled in my Christian growth, as I've lived this life that all of us are living, you know, from the time I was six, I had Christ with me. I had this relationship. And it got me through a lot of really difficult times, whether it was a time of intense loneliness and depression between high school and college, or whether it was, um, you know, some of the times during further education when I just felt like, you know, like there was no possible way that I could do the things that I was supposed to be doing. Even in the good times, even whenever, you know, um, I would just, you know, whenever I was definitely walking with the Lord and whenever things were going great, I could always just have conversations with him. I mean, I remember very specifically times um, back in college walking to classes and just literally chatting with God out loud. People probably thought that I was crazy. But, you know, always having him there with me all along has made such a huge difference through the good times and through the bad times. Um, You know, even through loss of loved ones and friends, Mm. you know, sometimes not everybody else can understand that, but he understands that because he lost his own son. Um, And, you know, that just has made such a difference. Um, Also, another thing, and this is, bear with me, because these next two points are are kind of a little bit confusing in a way, but um, Romans 6, verse 6 through 7 um, well, so, sorry, this point is the power to change. And so what I mean by that, Romans 6, verse 6 to 7, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, the old self referring to our sinful way of being, our sin nature, uh, our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. So I have been given the power to change. All of us who've trusted Christ have been given the power to change. Um, that doesn't mean that we're perfect by any means. I mean, just ask my wife, just ask my family, no way. Um, but before Christ, I was a slave to sin. I didn't have a choice. I had to sin. Um, now we do have a choice. Um, and here's an example. So, you know, this is a post-salvation example. But um, many of you who know me now, Obviously, my wife and kids, they know me a lot better than you do, but many of you who know me um, might be a little bit surprised by this, but I used to be an extremely angry person. I mean, absolute hothead. I mean, I gave my brother a few concussions. I've kicked through doors. Um, Definitely major, major, major anger issues. And while I'm not perfect, um, I think that most people would agree that that's not what categorizes me now. Uh, That's not necessarily what you think about. And that's not through me, but that's through Christ, and that's through that power to change because I'm a completely different person than I was. Um, now, <clears throat> the next point is a desire or a passion to change. Now, like I said, you know, just because we have that power doesn't mean that we do change. I'm by no means sinless. Um, I struggle with probably almost everything that all of y'all struggle with, but I have a desire, a passion to change. This next one is Romans seven nineteen, um, and this is... This really sums me up. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil I do not want. And so here Paul is talking about how he has how he wants to be, but a lot of times that's not how it is. But the point that I want to make is that is that we at least have conviction for that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a very prideful person. Um, I think way more about me than I do about anybody else, which I'm very ashamed to admit. That's something I've been dealing with for forever, forever. And um, after dealing with it for, you know, way more than 30 years, you would think that I would just get to the point where I'm like, oh, you know, well, hey, that's just who I am. But, but God 
in me. It's given me the desire, the passion to change. And so every single time, whenever God points out to me, hey, that was a really prideful thought, or that was a very proud statement, or you're acting pretty arrogant there, it breaks me again. And I'm just reminded that I'm nowhere close to perfect. And whereas if I didn't have Christ's resurrection, I would just be like, hey, that's how I am, you know. And so that in and of itself is something working in me. And it's through that, you know, through Christ constantly pointing out these things and through his power that we are all able to change over time. It might not be immediate, but God continues to work in us. And that's amazing. Um, And then the final point that I'd like to make um, is that is that I have a peace, and that peace is entirely due to Christ's resurrection. Um, Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is peace with God. First of all, he doesn't have to punish me for my sins. He punished Christ, and Christ took that on his body, on the cross, and then defeated death through his resurrection. And so I have peace with God through that, and that's just ridiculous, because, I mean, I'm sitting here shaking my fist in God's face, and yet... He chose to save me, and because of that, I have peace with him. Um, also, peace in this crazy world, kind of like Ashley was saying. I mean, it's just, it's gotten crazy. But guess what? I've got peace. You know why? Because I know that Christ is already one. And because he's already one, it doesn't matter. I mean, yes, I want my kids to grow up in a good world and, you know, to be safe and everything like that. But in the end, it doesn't matter because I have peace with God, and he's already one. So anyway, that's that's just what I wanted to share with you all, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I'd be more than happy to talk about specifics, more specifics with you all if you'd like. But anyway, thank you. I don't know about you, uh, but I can relate to a lot of their stories, right? I mean, just listening to Ashley and kind of sharing about anxiety and worry and and having having a kid, you know, Um, and then hearing Morgan, just kind of hearing how the Lord brings us often to places of death before he brings new life in us, you know, and, and Aaron sharing about how God's presence was always there with him and how it never left him and how he has the power and the ability to change because of the resurrection, because of Christ. Um, and so my question for you as we kind of wrap up our time is, what's your story? How has Jesus's resurrection changed your life? Are you allowing his power to enter in and to to change and to move and to redirect and to heal? And so um, just want to, if you're here and you're you're a Christian, I want to have a couple just points um, that I'm hoping that the resurrection is really applicable to you. Um, Revelations 12, 11, it says, And they have conquered him, him being Satan, being the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. It talks about that here that their testimony, the power of the resurrection in them is what enabled them to, to conquer. It's what gave them strength in their daily lives to overcome evil, to overcome sin. Sometimes it's seemingly small, and sometimes it's great. And so if you're here and you're a believer, right, as Aaron, Aaron shared, the resurrection gives us a new passion and a new desire to overcome evil in our lives and in this world, that we're not just apathetic to what's going on within ourselves or within this world, but we join Christ in his healing and his working in ourselves and in this world, that we join him in that. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Hey, if you're a believer here, if you've trusted Christ in his death and his burial and resurrection, it says that we have a living hope, a hope that doesn't die, a hope that isn't gone, but a hope that is enduring and is here. And for me, man, that is so practical and it makes such a difference. You know, as they shared that I get to look and I get to realize that there's a day that you have a day that whatever it is that you're struggling with, because everybody in here has a struggle that they fight with day in and day out, whether it's doubt, whether it's anxiety, whether it's pride or greed or lust, whatever it is, but we have a hope that one day we will not be that person any longer, but that will be stripped from us and we will be purified, we will be made whole, and that hope in, in us now, it brings peace and it brings comfort and it, it brings passion to continue to fight. But not only that, it man... We have a living hope because it's a hope that promises that this world is going to be healed. It's going to be better. As Aaron shared, is that when we saw Jesus on the cross and his body was marred and broken and scarred and and beaten to a pulp, I think that was a symbol of what this world oftentimes looks like, the effects of sin on this world. We look around and we see school shootings. We see broken families. We see drug addiction. We see all of these problems that seem rampant. It seems as if, as if evil is winning, as if it's pushing you know, back the light. But man, because of the resurrection, when Jesus rose again, a brand new body, no sign, right? The marks on there were just for, to remind, to show what it took to overcome but his body is healed. It's in power. It is new. And that's a promise. That's a promise and a guarantee from God. It's a down deposit, the first fruits, that this whole world is going to be healed. That there is not going to be any evil. There's going to be no sin, no war. And all of the things that there is hope that it is, it's going to be gone. And then for me, that, that makes life worth living. It means that there's a purpose in our, in our existence it allows a genuine joy and optimism to happen. Because how do you press on if you think that ultimately this doesn't matter? If ultimately everything is gone and this life that you live is pointless, that it really didn't make any difference because the sun's going to go out, the universe is going to stop, and everything's going to be non-existent. But that's not the truth. We have the hope in Christ that he is the risen one and he has brought everything through him and is going to bring everything back to its original state. He's going to come back. God is going to dwell with his people, and we are going to be with him. And what the the joy and the hope and the peace that that can bring. And so for you as a Christian, remember that. Remember that when you get stuck in the day-to-day routines, and it feels like darkness is overcoming, and it feels like things are empty. Remember that we live a life of hope and a life of joy, and that should bring awe into our lives. So if you're here, though, and you're not a Christian, perhaps you, you haven't trusted Christ. You know about God, or you've come to church because it's you know what you do on Easter. Um, but you don't have a relationship with Christ. I would, I would urge you in this moment that you would think that and understand that Christ died for your sin, that he rose again from the dead, that you might have new life in him. And that happens not by osmosis. It doesn't happen because you came to church. It doesn't happen because you got family members that are Christians. It happens because you have trusted in him. You have leaned the weight of your resume. When you, when you, we all will stand before God. And what it means to trust in Christ is it means that you're no longer trusting in your ability to produce a resume that will please him. God, I can't do enough to stand before you and you'll be pleased. What I can do is I can trust in Christ because he has done enough. 
And so the full weight of my life doesn't rest upon my performance, but it rests upon Christ's performance. And I have believed that. I've not just understood it intellectually, but I have believed that. I have surrendered with my life. And it changes us, right? I mean, it changes us. We begin to love God. We begin to love other people. We, we genuinely have a knowledge of the truth. It changes us. But there, there first starts with a commitment, an understanding, a call to, to faith. And so, if you would, I'm going to have everybody, I want you to close your eyes, and, and we're going to pray, and I'm going to give you an opportunity. Praying does not save you. Hear this. Saying a prayer does not save you. Believing the gospel saves you. Believing Christ's death on your behalf saves you. That can be manifested through a prayer. And so, if you would, cl- go ahead, close your eyes, and I want to, I want to pray. Father, Lord, I just I pray right now, Lord, if there are those that are here that don't know you, God, perhaps they've known about you, perhaps they have family members that know you, um, but they don't actually have a relationship with you. They've never trusted in you, God. I pray that you would rescue them. Yes. I pray that you would save them. God, I pray that in this moment that they would see the weight of their sin, that they would be broken by it, God, that they wouldn't dismiss it, they wouldn't be apathetic against it, but God, instead, they would take your side and they would hate it. They would mourn it. They would, they would cast it upon you, Christ, and realize that the burden that they've been carrying can be lifted because of you and that they would experience the freedom, God, that comes because of your resurrection, the peace and the hope and the joy that comes when we trust in you. Because you live, we can have new life by trusting in you. And so if you're here and if, and if you, you prayed and you want to receive Christ, I want, I want to ask that you would stand, that you would stand in this moment if you haven't trusted Christ and you want to trust him for the first time. I ask that you would, you would stand, that you would make that a commitment and stand up. As we move into into worship, I just ask that everybody approaches Christ differently. Some of us at times can be captivated by fear. And there are times Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because he was afraid to be seen by him in the day. And so listen, we love you and we want you to be brought back to God. And so if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, know that this is a safe place. Know that we love you and we care about you. Know that we love to have a conversation with you, that, that trusting in Christ is something we don't do in isolation, but something we do in community, that we need other people to help us. And so please know, if you've done that, if you want to come to know Christ, if you want to have a relationship with him, please come and talk to us. Come, we, we love you and we desire that you would have life in him. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory and we want to continue to worship you. Let's hear me pray. We, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.